Hello, welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. We're at episode 65. Before we get into today's episode, I want to shout out a podcast that I listen to uh, based out in the States. And if you like our show, you'll definitely 100% like this show. Uh, it's called All Punked Up. So if by any chance you're looking for a music news related podcast that covers all of the happenings from around the scene we all know and love, then look no further because the All Punked Up podcast brings you just that. Each week, the hosts from All Punked Up bring a dose of news from around the scene while digging into hard-hitting topics that most would rather shy away from. If you're a lover of pop punk, rock, and alternative music, then this podcast is one you'll have to check out. The All Punked Up podcast is now available on all podcast streaming platforms, so listen wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Yeah, going good. It's going good. Um, yeah, weather's nice. Been nice for a couple of weeks, so spirits are high. How about you? Yeah, could say the same. You know, it's been good in our little podcast world. We've done some good episodes recently, including today's one. I think um, for, in the interest of the listener, let's keep this intro short today. So I just uh, quickly will go over. If, if, have you checked out any new music? Um, I've got a couple of things on my list. Yeah, um, that I need to check out. Well, actually, one that you sent me. So the new Bleachers um, track that they've um, released. Yeah, what's it called? Um, there you want you're more. Gonna, you're gonna. There you go. Um, so I need to, need to check that one out. Any good? It's fucking brilliant, I would say. Except, oh wow, the thing with it is, so they performed it on Jimmy Fallon a couple of weeks ago like the first pro- proper live performance in the studio on Jimmy Fallon for a long time. And it, it just sounded so big. It's huge, like very, very sort of Springsteen-esque, really good song. And now the studio version, which sounds like they've tracked it live, it just, I mean, it, it's cool because it's such a good song. But what I want you to do is go and watch the Fallon one first, then listen to the, 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 the version they've released. And it just sounds really like it's lacking energy. And I've kind right. of like look looking all over the internet. People seem to that seems to be like the the, the feeling across the board. I think it's because like right. Antonov, he's he's clearly he wants he's going for something that sounds like it was recorded in the seventies or eighties or something. He wants that kind of big big live sound. Yeah, but also like the mastering's not as it, it's not as loud as like modern music is. So if you're listening to it on a playlist alongside some I don't know like some pop punk or whatever or anything really. It's just, you'll get to that Bleacher song, you'll have to turn it right up, and then after it, you'll have to turn it down again. It's, it's, right. it's clearly a conscious decision, but I find it strange. Right. Okay. Okay, I'll do that um, side by side. Yeah. And let you know my thoughts. Um, the other thing that's on my list, see that um, Grayscale have released a new EP. Um, so I want to check that one out. I didn't even know that. <clears throat> Yeah, just literally, I think it's just landed, so it's quite recent. And that's about it, really. Notice that there's quite a few a few more tours kind of starting to get booked up. Yep. Um, I checked out a bit of that Love Breakers thing last night. Unfortunately, I went out to a pal's house, so I missed missed a good portion of it. But um, is that is that, can you get that on replay, can you? Yeah, 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 because I wasn't okay. able to watch it either. Um, I'll send you the link, and it's like it's about 35 minutes long, so I'm really looking forward to it. To watching that well i'm sure we'll share it on our platforms as well that's love breakers who whose album's out soon they did a live stream at, at the uh, boom sessions in leeds i forget what it's called um 
so yeah, 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 we'll definitely, yeah, definitely be watching that properly. Also, Ke- Kenny Hoopler album came out, or or mixtape as it's called. Um, I need to spend some time with that, but that sounds pretty cool. I think. Yeah, hoping hoping we get them on at some point as well, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. So uh, watch watch this space. We we are talking with his people at the minute. So yeah, that that will be a really cool one. I think I'm really nice. interested to speak to him. I'm thinking like so. Uh, Listeners are probably thinking, wherever these guys talk about music, like it's just one of us telling each other. So I think next intro, let's write the music we want to talk about to each other. We'll both listen to it and then we can discuss it having both listened to it. Yeah, I mean, it would be good to be a little bit better prepared, I guess. Yeah, because the guys all all, um, all punked up who I obviously shouted out before, like I listened to them. They're, and well, they probably- they're well oiled. They are, well, and they, they're going through like the new releases, and they, they're really but, dissecting them, and it's interesting. Go on. But it, isn't, isn't that more the premise of their podcast, though? They're, it is. They break, like the full episode is breaking down the new releases, it, it, whereas no, to you be know, fair, we're, we are interview-based, and this is just yeah. unprepared chit-chat, really. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but we let, could be let, more prepared. I, I will. Um, I, I do acknowledge that. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, as much as I would love to think people are here to hear, hear the, these two uh, charismatic hosts, people are here for, to hear our guests, let's face it. You know, so I don't think it matters massively. But maybe it's especially, something we should work on. Especially um, in Bulgaria as well. I, I saw we were trending <laughs> in the Bulgarian music podcast charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. That's shout out to to our um, Bulgarian listeners. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. I think absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that also goes for any listeners, by the way. Please, like, you know, reach out to us about anything you think we're not doing right, or we are doing right, or any guests you think we should reach out to. Yeah, therefore. Uh, but right. yeah, I reckon. Yeah, should we? We obviously we got a long one today for good reason because it's as you're about to hear it's a really interesting chat i absolutely loved it uh yeah we had moon valjean from goldfinger and greek fire um radio personality where he lives in st louis as well formerly of story of the year which we discuss um yeah i reckon we can just get into anything to add to that nick no i think all will be revealed in the next hour sweet okay let's do it but you guys look you guys look sharp. You guys look sharp. I was actually just uh right before I was down here trying to fix all these different issues that I'm not going to blame on my kids. Um I was reviewing some uh, some of the EPL season. I don't know if you guys are fans or not. Yeah, very much so. I'm a Newcastle Newcastle fan. I'm based up in the northeast in Newcastle Pontine, so I'm a oh, bit nice. of a nice di- nice. A diehard Newcastle United <laughs> guy. I used to be so against Newcastle back in the day. So, so against them. And then I learned a bit more about the history of the club and uh, spent a bit more time in the actual city and just saw some of the love for the for the club. I was like, you know what? I respect this place. I respect this squad. I respect some of the bullshit y'all have had to deal with. Well, this is it, yeah. It's been a tough few years, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, But we've yeah, had better I'm a times. Uni- I'm a United guy, and I know I'm sure you're going to have an issue with that. Which is Man fun. United, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, let's yes. move let's move on from that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh come on, come now. I'm not some fair weather dude. I've been there since like ninety uh well, I mean I, I watched the treble and was excited about that. I was still a okay. kid. I still uh but then early early two thousands, funny enough, like the dude that was running Nike and like the artist relation for like bands with Nike is a diehard, diehard United guy. 
So he would give me like free United stuff. And then he just kind of like really got into the history of the club and, and some other stuff. And we just sort of joined forces and have been diehard, diehard Man United since, uh, since then. It helps when the guy is sending you like the most badass Man United shit on earth. Straight from the Nike. So it's because you got free it, it stuff. Is that is that is yeah. that why you're in the No, UFO? no, that's not why. But it certainly helps. I'm a full kit wanker running around here with everything Man United, dude. <laughs> nice. It's yeah. It's been a weird, been a weird time for football this last this last season. But good to yeah. get it get it going. Anyway, what was what was the what's the sport situation been like in in the states? Um, it's funny you say that. One of the other reasons that I'm like lagging behind because I was supposed to get up super early and make sure everything was good here. Uh, mm-hmm. But I went to bed later than ever last night because we, my my radio show here, participated in a uh, home run derby. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but in baseball, uh, you know, home runs is what everybody comes to see, and we did yeah. like a competitive yeah. home run derby. It was the first sporting event, uh, quote unquote, sporting event thing that I've been to, obviously in a year and a half since since the whole COVID thing. But man, people are people are ready to get back. They are ready to party and watch sport, whether it's baseball, little league, soccer, this that. Everybody is just ready to get back out there. And St. Louis, in particular, where I'm at in the middle of the country, uh, we just got an MLS club uh, that starts up here in a year and a half. So we're building our stadium and all that. So this is a sports town. So I really don't have a good pulse or a good finger on the pulse as far as like the nation goes but this particular town is so behind sports and so ready to get back out and fill stadiums i don't know about you guys yeah yeah i mean we've got the euros starting on friday next week european championships so yeah yeah yeah. international tournament kicking off and it's being held over here as well so i think they're letting like limited capacity into the to the grounds i don't know how you get a hold of a ticket but yeah, limited like fifty percent or how much? I've no idea. I'm not sure. Not being close to it, but the the last kind of couple of games of the Premier League season, they were allowing fans back into the grounds. I think there were a ten ten thousand um, for the Newcastle game. So yeah, yeah that sounds like, right. Same with live music, though. I think everyone's itching to you know. I, I'm sure yeah. you are, but you know, <laughs> yeah, people we'll are itching to go that, and yeah. see some some live shows. You know. But, yeah, we have like, like a fun 90s tribute band and we played a show, uh, just like a fun show at this real small uh, bar that kind of shuts down the street and does this thing, um, kind of like in a smaller town. And it was it was amazing. I wasn't sure how I would feel about it personally, because, you know, like, I don't even know what the vaccination rates are, but they're not exquisite. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. was, you know, you're sharing space with a lot of people you're just hoping to trust. And, and if they're coming up fist bumping and stuff, you're hoping that they're kind of doing their their part and all that but you you yeah. never really know but i will say as soon as i was on the stage and people were just like throwing energy at us i was so glad to be back so happy man it, it was it was it was amazing it was an amazing show uh people are just people are just ready to enjoy themselves it doesn't really matter what what you're doing concert or or, or, or sports or or comedy i know comedy shows are starting to really fill up and kick ass yeah. again yeah uh so it's it's uh, it's nice to see it coming back. I ho- like I said, I hope people are being careful and doing their doing their duty, you know, to uh, to to keep keep themselves and, and one another safe. But eh, we'll we'll see. We just announced a big festival that's happening in September, so I'm I'm stoked on that. Is that who's that with? Is that with Greek Fire or Goldfinger? That's or? Uh, yeah, that's Greek Fire. So Goldfinger, we've we've had a whole bunch of stuff booked, um, just not announced because we weren't sure what was going to happen. And you know, we're a West. Uh, that's an LA based band. 
Sure. Um, and L.A. has been way more closed down and had to deal with way more stuff than I have out here in the Midwest. Um, so it's it's a little bit different. We can we seem to be able to pull off things a bit more in in the Midwest than than L.A. ever could. And it was mostly the West Coast stuff that we had booked that we couldn't announce, and we probably still haven't uh, announced it just because nobody knows what's going to happen by July or September or who knows, you know? Yeah, I think the the only thing that's really kind of set in stone here are the, the outdoor outdoors kind of shows and the festivals that are going on outside. So yeah, I think, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, so thanks for joining us. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah we just kind of went into one there. Yeah, yeah thanks so man. much for giving us your time, man. Um, by the way, like, what's best to call you? Because obviously, you know, I think your real name's Phil. Everyone calls you Moon. Like, what, like, what would you prefer yeah, the, with us? Uh, I mean, Moon is the go-to, and it used to be, you know, like twenty eighty, and then it was fifty-fifty. And I, no one, no one calls me Phil unless they went to school with me, they're related <laughs> to me, or they were in a band with me years and years and years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a couple band members don't even, a couple band members that I even like grew up with call, call me Moon, especially here in St. Louis. If I'm on the sidewalk and somebody screams Phil or Philip or something, yeah, I don't even hear it. I don't even hear it anymore. Like, I, I, I'm not really. Because usually, and if I realize they're talking to me, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Someone old school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, did I go to school with this guy or something? (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's pretty much moon from, from here on out. And that was the whole thing. Where did that come from? Where where did the whole moon? Well, so I had been in, you know, we, we had done story of the year since 2002. uh, And uh, I just went by my, my, my. I was going to say birth name, but I'm adopted. So it wasn't my birth name, my, my okay. adopted name and, um, <clears throat> Greek fire. We, I, I wanted to start Greek fire and did around 2009. So we've been going for a while, but Greek fires, music, the sound, the delivery, the philosophy, the, uh, uh, just uh, all of it was so very different than what story was saying or doing. And a, a lot of it aligned, but some of it was definitely skewed in a different sort of direction. It was in a, you know, more major scale stuff and more uh, positive, uplifting. And I'm not saying story wasn't, but, but you know what I mean? There was just a totally mm-hmm. different tone to the band. And I didn't want anybody to think it was like, A, a story of the year side project, because it wasn't. Like it was, a, even though there was two of us uh, for a time there that were, were in it, it was a full-fledged right. band that we wanted to do something very, very big with. Uh and uh, and have an effect. So I wanted a I wanted a stage name just to make sure that it was separate, so people didn't drag over from one band and then get disappointed because it wasn't Story of the Year version two or something. You know what I mean? So just in in a light thought, like I wanted a pseudonym for it, uh, even if it was just in 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 text, just on the CDs or just on the the publishing stuff. I didn't expect or 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 anticipate people calling me that or anything, but. They did, and it sort of caught on, and, and whatever, and and it actually came from a a song that I'd written that was called "I Am a Moon," uh, and okay. it just sort of just it sort of described how I felt like I wasn't really a part of my world. I always felt like an outsider, an outcast, or you know, just a weirdo in general. Um, but I was still affecting my world, you know, similar to like a satellite or a moon or something. And that that was the gist of the song, and it was cutesy and whatever, um, and, and poetic. But it actually kind of created like a, a nice, you know, connective tissue with with the pseudonym. Like it wasn't just like, a, oh, that sounds cool. I'll go with that. You know what I mean? Like it actually yeah. kind of had some meaning. It had some meaning to me. Um, and I ran with it. And then just a, a few years later, uh, I ended up 
uh, doing nights and weekends on this radio station, local alternative radio station, like the greatest alternative radio station in the country, uh, period. And I got a gig doing doing nights and weekends there that ended up turning into a morning show. And the guy was like, well, you already have a perfect radio name. So just run, you know, run with your pseudonym from from Greek fire. And once that happened, man, that's when every that's when Phil disappeared. The name, not the guy, but the, but but the name. And here in St. Louis, I'm probably much more known for the radio than I am for any bands, no matter, you know, no matter what the success of any of the bands has uh, has gotten me. Yeah. Uh, the the recognition comes from the radio show. Being the radio star. A, a lot of people have asked, like, hey, you, you know, would you legally change it? And, like, for sure, I was actually a few steps from from doing that. Um, but the the reason that I haven't or, or, or mm -hmm. hadn't yet uh, was because I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to make my mom sad. You know what I mean? Like right. they adopted me and loved me and gave me like, I mean, they did the, the, the biggest show of love a human being can do. And that's love right. a child that's not theirs as yeah, their yeah. own Yeah, and named me after her father. So what am I supposed to do? Just like, you know, I can't, Oh, I can't. Yeah. Like, I don't no, want to hurt my mom. Run this deep. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's a good place. Maybe. I mean, how we usually do these things, we kind of take things back to the start and kind of walk through, um, kind of a bit of a yeah, walk through, your career, I guess, really, and how you got into music. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you say, you know, you, you were adopted. Was it quite young? You were, you know, really small, a bit older? And kind of what was your first, I guess, um, influences and segues into kind of music and playing music? Kind of take us back to a little bit of that. Okay, I'll try to yeah, I'll try to condense it as as much as I can. Uh, I was adopted as a baby, like you know, six months old. Okay. Um, found out I was adopted at seven. Uh, but I will say that that really did play a big role in feeling like, um, you know, I've really, really been gifted life and gifted circumstances and, and, and to, to not sound cheesy or overdone, uh, just very blessed with, uh, the opportunity to survive and, and, yeah. and be in a, and be in a place that I was loved and could prosper. Um, it wasn't a rich family. My parents were both teachers, so, you know, they, they did their thing and, uh, but, but we were, we were raised well. And strangely enough, not around music, um, except for my dad was in or is in a uh, barbershop quartet from church and oh, for, nice. like, for like 50, <laughs> 50 years now he's been in a barbershop quartet. So other than that, and, you know, hearing them practice at our house every once in a while, like once every six months or something, I was not uh, exposed to music in the household. There were, there were instruments but only from like hand-me-downs or like a Casio keyboard or something in the, in the, in the basement that I found and I would mess with. And then they would yell at me cause I wasn't playing a song and put headphones on. It was obnoxious, uh, in the car, we didn't listen to music. Like there was no, there was no music except for my mother was super, super into Michael Crawford, uh, who was, uh, one of the OG phantoms from Phantom of the Opera. Okay. So I'm a huge, I'm a huge Phantom of the Opera fan. I've seen it like eight times, three different, right. uh, three different tours. Um, and uh, and I love it. And that that was an influence on me in 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 uh, in my younger days. But I had to find my own music. And what I was finding was, of course, what was that? Whatever was on the radio. I had like a dual cassette boombox, and I used to tape songs and then do like these little DJ breaks in between. So it's funny that I'm a musician and a radio guy now. And what I yeah. did for myself was find my own music through recording a boombox, recording music off the radio, and faking being a DJ. But I was always really into 
uh vocal heavy bands vocal stacks like really clever vo vocalizing things starting with the beach boys the beach boys was one of the first things that i ever really got into mm -hmm. uh, then i had the top gun soundtrack because i saw that when it came out and i was like you know five years old six years old i had the top gun tape because i stole it from my neighbor thank you jeff and uh <laughs> and it was like those things just like a random amalgam of shit that would land in my lap from a neighbor or a radio station or the bus ride to 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 school or something like that and um i did uh i did violin in fourth grade for all of six months you know for like one semester and then i tried to play piano in sixth grade but i had an old church lady teaching me and i, I wasn't interested in that uh, I wish I'd have stuck with it. I wish I'd have stuck with it. And then high school comes along. And by this point, I'm like really finding alternative. You know, I, my first CD was Green Day Dookie, 1994. Like, you know, I had a whole bunch of tapes, like rock tapes and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't have a CD player until 94. And Dookie comes out right when I get a CD player. So, you know, I'm into the pop punk. I'm into, uh, I was really into POD from like 95 on. This is before the Atlantic years or any of that. So I started getting into real like heavy uh, like Christian metal from like Strong Arm and yeah. um, Staves and all these like random like underground Christian bands because there was a Christian music festival like a few hours from me that we would drive to and just you know just go wild watching live concerts because my parents never took me to any I'd never been to like a concert I'd never been to a Warp tour I still have played I think I've played nine full Warp tours maybe it's eight. Mm -hmm maybe it's eight full warp tours or, some, or something like that. And I played at the first warp tour I was ever at. So like, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't exposed to that kind of, that kind of world. I was sort of, uh, sort of hidden from it. Um, but I got to say, and I got to backtrack for one second, the real deal happened in 1991 when I was watching a Garth Brooks special. My dad w had it on and I was downstairs and I watched this thing and there's rain coming down when he does thunder rolls and then they smash the guitars and I remember turning around to my dad and going, I'm going to do that someday. Like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I remember him laughing at me, but still, like, I, that was the moment because I had heard music. I'd heard it on the radio like everybody else. I'd sang along with it. Like, that was music to me. I didn't know what production was. I didn't know how to make a record. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I certainly had never seen a live show and never had been moved by seeing someone perform music. And that was the moment that I, I realized, oh, my gosh, somebody can make a perform, like, perform an, an auditory uh, product they can perform it and the way that they perform it and add production and move and sing to the crowd or or like you know alter it a little bit can move somebody like literally move somebody and i was moved as a 10 year old kid in 91 watching garth brooks sing thunder rolls on this hbo special wherever the heck it was and that set in motion like oh my gosh i i need to absorb every bit of music i can get so i never had mm -hmm. guilty pleasures i i really didn't make fun of anybody for for listening to music if it moved you it was fucking awesome so i was into everything from garth brooks to to joe diffie to john michael montgomery to tim mcgraw to then corn yeah. and and incubus and like i got so into every bit of music i could get my hands on because like what a gift what a cool ass thing and then I, I get to high school. I got no friends, and there's a new kid in in school. He's on the soccer. He's on the soccer team. We're we're, we're doing tryouts together, and I start singing Silverchair because Silverchair just come out, and these kids were like my age, you know, like like uh, 
they were 15, I think, when they wrote that record. So I was like, holy right. shit, there's these kids my age in Australia that just put out a record that is fucking amazing. Like, this is the greatest record ever made. And I got Frog Stomp, and I'm singing it, and this kid sings the last verse of 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 the line that I was like, I was like, oh my God, you like Silverchair? And he's like, yeah, you like Silverchair? So we started hanging out, and he says, I want to be a drummer someday. I was like, man, I want to play guitar or something. Fuck, I just, I just want to play something. So we uh we rented instruments and all we did every single day was play soccer until the sun went down and then played rage against the machine songs until until his mom kicked <laughs> me out of the house every day dude like we had no friends we had no social life we ne we went to zero parties and for four years of high school all we did was practice soccer and practice music and that's how we honed our skills that's how we honed um you know what we wanted to do in music and we and we started a band we did the high school battle of the bands and and all that kind of stuff so you know like i always had the goal that like this this is what i want to do and the weird thing is when people are like that's you know that's my dream or whatever it was just like a a, a practicality to me like i just want to figure out enough of the business to be able to travel the world play music i don't give a shit about music uh, i don't i mean i don't give a shit about money i don't care about gold records like all that stuff like it wasn't even on my radar i never even heard of it before like that was for like pop stars and grammys and, and stuff and yeah. i don't care about that i never did um because i never really understood it i never I, I i never wanted to i just wanted to travel the world and see as many places as i could and play music doing it that was it um fast forward a little bit and i have a kid in high school my daughter's born in 1998 and it's mm -hmm. like everybody's like, well, there goes your dream. You know, everything's sidelined. But I pushed, man. I I pushed, and and my life, my obsession was uh, was trying to do music to provide for my family, and that was it. Like that was my motivation, which was actually a good motivation um, when you hit. So 2003 comes, and and now I'm in this band, and we got a major label deal. And we and I meet John Feldman, and we're working together, and and you know we're still broke as a joke. I was living off the yeah. dollar menu on that first Warp tour. Did you join Story like just before like uh, they kind of the two thousand and three thing happened? Like were you like a new addition? Yeah, so like St. Louis is not that big, so there's only a few yeah. bands that are actually like working, working. You know what I'm saying? Like good or bad, there's only a few that really have band members that that are clearly willing to sacrifice personal lives to uh to be a professional so my band at the time was doing really well people loved our band it was called maybe today but the other guys like they just weren't into it as as much as i was and okay. this other band called big blue monkey that had been in the scene had just moved to la yeah. and uh had just done a showcase and they called me out and they're like hey we're doing a showcase for uh for a publishing deal and we need a guitar player that can pick up something real fast just to help us out so i was like oh shit, i want to see california for free so i was yeah. like you're gonna fly me out like you know th these are like semi buddies um that uh that were needing a favor and I'll, I'll do you a favor for for a free trip to california so i flew out kicked the living shit out of the showcase and uh, and went home it was it was fun and then they called like two weeks later like yo we got another can you learn these other three songs or something? They, they were all just like demos and like, yeah. you know, um, first drafts of, of jams and learned them real quick, added some harmonies, added some little guitar parts that they loved and, uh, and did another showcase. And while I was there, they're like, Hey, we really want you to join the band, which I didn't see coming. I really didn't. I wasn't thinking about it. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I think this is, I think this is a go, but like, 
you know, I'd like to be a part of the record. They're like, well, that's good because it's nowhere near done. <laughs> they just started it, okay. just started it. Oh, so they actually uh, so, started recording that Feldman record at that point. Yeah, they, they, okay. yeah, they had done some some demos uh, with Feldman uh, in the in the first week, and then had gone back to to write. So they were out there just in a garage writing. So I jumped in, went straight into the writing process, earned a whole bunch of nicknames for my style and writing and how it was helping. Um, their style because they had been playing for at least a couple of years together and I had come from a totally different background with an understanding of music that was very different than theirs which really really helped and if you listen to those records all the records that us five did or us four did yeah um, you're hearing a lot of different influences melded into one um, which I think is one of the things that made it so successful especially especially Page Avenue uh, you know, there's there's hardcore elements in it. There's like old school street punk elements in it, and then there's like, I, I dare I say, there's like country and pop influences in there that that are all all throughout. Like with a linear um, uh, harmony lines to to this, you, you know, like we were we really melded a good amount of all of our influences in into one record, which is somewhat of a dangerous thing to do. Because if you listen to a record that has like falling down on it. And then sidewalks on the same record. A lot of a lot of record execs and professionals mm -hmm. are going to say that that's not a super cohesive record. But people fucking dug it, man. People are like me. They do like <laughs> everything from Garth Brooks to fucking Strongarm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's it's okay. And people really reacted, man. It was it was um, it was really cool. So yeah, I joined in. Must have been January of 2003. Yeah. Um, Band, band got signed in late 2002 and then i joined in early 2003 we didn't finish the record until april uh so i was a part of all that and then we went straight on tour dude we we packed our band in uh in april of uh, of 2003 i sang the last harmony on the last track at john's house got in the packed van drove all the way back to st louis dumped our personal shit at our random houses and then drove straight to Rhode Island and showed up 10 minutes before doors for the first uh, show of Story of the Year, Thrice, My Chemical Romance, and The Used. Um, it's a big that, show at the time, right? Yeah. Well, it wasn't a big show. That's the crazy thing. Like, the bill is fucking crazy now, but back yeah. then... That was still when they were bubbling under as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Used had been hitting at that time, but all the other right. bands, like, I mean, we all loved Thrice because they had been around for a while yeah. and everybody knew them, but they weren't like mainstream. Yeah. They hadn't signed with Island yet or any of that stuff. Right, and Mike right, Kim was right. Mike Kim was smaller than we were. Oh, of course. Uh, Cause yeah, it was the next year that they had that, you know, kind of blew up really. And then obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, so it's funny enough the next year, um, our biggest year in 2004, uh, we headlined yeah. the Nintendo fusion tour and wanted to take Mike Kim, uh, on the bill. So they opened or they, they were second and Berlin opened. And then Mike Kim, and then Lost Profits, and uh, and that's when Mike Kim really started to because right. they had just released that uh, that that first record with Benson and Warner Brothers. So it was yeah, dude, a wild ride there, man, a wild wild ride. Uh, but it was touring incessantly for for two years. You know, it was two it was a two year record cycle on that, and we were like fried after that. And the crazy thing it was it it was hugely successful, and um. And obviously, you know, a, a, a big, 
a big mountain to climb as far as, as as far as stats and record sales and all that kind of stuff because that was that's when CDs were still selling in Best Buy and everywhere else. Yeah, of course. Um, but it was it was a real decline of the CD. But we had done really well, and and you know you come home, and everybody's like, "Man, congratulations!" And you're like, "Yeah, well, fuck!" Like I like, it's hard to even understand because for 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 a lot of people watching, they they feel like it happened overnight. But it didn't, man. We we toured for, I mean, all of us toured in in whatever bands for years before that, and then on that record, we toured for eight months before it even came out, like handing out, like begging people to take our de- not our demos, but like uh, like a a promo EP that had until yeah. the day I die on it and all that stuff. Like we were begging people because we're opening for the used and, and whatever other bands we can get on with and Sugar Cult and. Uh, and some other stuff. So we, we busted ass. So our success came one day at a time for us, one show or two, three shows a, a day at a time for us. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. when you get home and everybody's like, Holy shit, you're an overnight success. Uh, I'm like, no nah, man, I've been gone. And you guys built highways. There's like new fucking highways in this city, in my own city that, that I haven't seen. So it was, uh, it was crazy. When, when was your first, um, experience over in kind of the UK and Europe and, I guess what what was that like first time first time around? You the UK the first time was incredible. Most of it is in our first DVD, like us reacting to different things. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the, we in the US we have some really divey clubs. You know what I'm saying? Like we have some clubs with famously shitty backstages and awful bathrooms. But the UK takes the fucking cake, <laughs> boys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. When we came over there the first time, we were playing tiny, tiny places. Um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have been up to uh, Glasgow and King Tut's Wawa Hut, but like that type of place yeah. is all over the place. Or, or the 100 Club, um, um, y- you know, like the, these places are famous for 100 years more than our country has anything famous. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So. It's like this full immersive experience, and it's one of the coolest things a band can ever see because yeah. you, you're going to King Tut's Wawa Hut, and, and you see that in Wichita, Kansas, and you're like, what a shithole. But you see it in Glasgow, and you realize there's Oasis history here, and that there's yeah. this band's history, and this band's history, and this band's history. And it really like clicks and, and makes you feel like, man, we're, we're doing this. You know, There's 300 people here to see our little band from our little town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the way on the other side of the pond. And, and it was, it was so fun, dude. Like we didn't spend much time in the dressing rooms because we were out just talking to people saying like, how did you hear of our band? And like, what do you think of our band? And like, what's a, what's a UK band that, that would go well with us that we can tour with here next time. Um, it was so fun to just educate ourselves on UK culture, but UK culture in, in music in in that day's music what was a uk band that was suggested to you to to come out with next time do you remember anything uh, that came up around oh my the time? god back then there's so many dude uh i'm trying to think um well uh, a, a, a year or two after that we had heard about the blackout and we took the blackout on tour and uh, and got on real well with those dudes love those guys I, i'm trying to think right now i'm, I'm blanking because it's somewhat early and I didn't sleep last night, but it's all good, man. There were like dozens of them, dudes, and and like a lot of bands that we didn't get to tour with that we started meeting on random festivals, uh, on Slam Dunk and a couple other uh, other festivals that we were a part of, or yeah. bands that would come out and get put on as as a as a local opener from 
from whatever the promoter was and they were yeah. great bands and like yeah. good dudes and, and you start to hear about their particular struggle and like how they're trying to work out of newcastle or out of liverpool or out you know out of hull or something there was some i'm gonna i'm gonna think of the band i'm sure as soon as we're done recording all this but <laughs> there was there was a couple of them that we just got down with as far as uh, or i got down with is as far as friends go yeah um and and still and still stay in touch with with, with some of them. And most of them aren't even in bands anymore. Uh, but I talk to the Blackout guys still. Uh, you know, I, I talk to did, Sean all the time. Did you do? Uh, I, I, you must have done their the the guys podcast before. If you the Sappening one, have you done that one? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I did that yeah, I uh, just just a couple months ago. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I it, it was really fun, man. Because I mean, obviously, UK bands and UK music has in, influenced Americans culture for so many years so many decades that it was finally yeah. cool to, to put some places with with the with the faces um right but but like i said there was there's there's a lot in our dvd our first dvd that assassin's dvd of just like screwing around and and ha you know having fun with your guys's accents and your guys having fun with our accents you know that's really funny cool new shit to some 22 year old kid yeah, it's traveling yeah. the planet. You, you know what I'm saying? So we just had so much fun. And of course, we went down to um, Tower of London and we hit all the spots. Like every city, I would find a local and be like, what do I got to do in this city? Like, what's yeah. the thing that I need to see in this city? I, I got to go. I got to go. And I still do that. My Goldfinger Buds uh, band members, like a couple of them, they love the fact that if we go to some random city, I'm like, oh shit, dude, the coolest coffee house of all time is over here. And then on this side of the canal is the best pub, but now they're oh, yeah. owned by Weatherspoons or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like soaking that all up was the most fun, fun thing for me. So I turned into like every band's tour guide for a minute there. Nice. What, what are some of your favorite, favorite spots in the UK? Like, you know, towns and cities wise. Uh, I do, I do, I do love Birmingham. As far as like hanging in Birmingham, I've made a lot of memories there. Um, made a, obviously a million memories in London. The last time I was in Glasgow, I had a really, really good time. Um, just, just walking, dude. I just walk and I walk into to random shops. Um, some of my best clothes all come from from the UK, from me just wandering into places. Of course, uh, what, what's the what's the what's the random ass place that everybody tries to sell you drugs in in London up by by Whitechapel, uh, or maybe it's not by Whitechapel. Uh, is it Camdenton? Camden, Camden Town. Camden Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah had yeah. a lot of had a lot of experiences up there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's dude. Every every city there is something to soak up. Even the cities that you guys don't don't think are fun. Like there is something to find when you have nothing to do until seven p.m. that night, right. and you're wandering around and you don't know what part of town you're in. I just I I just hop on. If there's a tube, I hop on the tube. If there's a bus, I'll hop on the bus and I'll just take it to like city center. Uh, the nice thing about the UK and Europe in general is usually the biggest church is somewhat near the city center. So mm -hmm. I will just find a, on a map like a picture of a church, and I'll take a bus to that church and then start wandering. That's my that's my move. Nice. We actually saw you um, in one of those grimy clubs. We saw you with Goldfinger what three four years ago, Chris. We at Club One Hundred. Yeah, we were at that yeah. One Hundred Club show. That was I'm a fun night. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously you had, you had Cyrus, Cyrus playing drums, and you know John yeah. and Mike. Mike was there, and it was just like for us. Obviously, you know, we're, we're big, well, we still are big fans of MXPX and Newfound and stuff. Yeah, and no. it was just a bit crazy, a bit of a crazy night to like 
to all you guys there in that tiny in that, in that environment it was cool as well because like my, my we were at the brew dog the brew dog pub around the corner and mike came and had a pint with us because you know we knew him a little bit from you know like playing with him in the uk and he's been on this show like years ago and stuff uh yeah that was an awesome night man dude that was an awesome night and my wife that was my first my wife's first time being in the uk and oh really she's you yeah, she's used to like bigger venues here and like fire codes and all these different things. And I remember that club in particular because she <laughs> yeah. went down and she goes, what if there's a fucking fire here? Everybody's dead. Like this place is awful. <laughs> and I was like, nah, man, look at this place, dude. It smells like the 50s or the <laughs> yeah. 60s or something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this is a lot of people have done some weird shit in this place. And um, and uh, I, I remember that that show vividly because my wife was nervous. Mm-hmm. Um there was a couple horn players that were supposed to play with us that night. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. I feel so bad. Goldfinger is not a band that gets to rehearse. We don't, we don't, we don't, we've, re- we've rehearsed one time, one time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because Travis, Travis Barker was playing with us and he's like, I'm not playing a show without rehearsing it, guys. Like, we're going to practice. And I was like, okay, if Travis says so, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, understandable. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So, yeah. So, uh, not that I have any say in rehearsals or any of that stuff, but, um, the horn players were, were were local guys from London. They came in, and uh, and we just try to run through things because John is a madman. You guys know John enough, like to know he's a madman, even especially on stage. We don't right. follow the set list, no matter how in, important the set list might be. He throw he there's a curveball for the band members every two songs. A- every other song we're playing something we didn't expect to play. Mm-hmm. Um which, which I'll get to in a second for that Club 100 show cuz it was wild. But uh the horn players were there and I was like, "Oh shoot, dude, this song is a half step down and we don't do the punk part. We actually kind of vamp it into like a reggae like uh, you know, one drop kind of thing." So like Mike and I are usually the captains on 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 um on stage to tell our yeah. drummer and the horn players what what things are changing or hey if john does this you got to feel it out like it's dude it's a wild wild show which makes it so much fun for diehard fans and for the band members um but these horn players were going and this one kid they were both really skilled horn players but the one guy was super nervous and wasn't like able to keep up on all the quick changes okay and and uh and it shattered him. It shattered him, dude. It uh, it like destroyed this kid. And I remember watching him melt. And I was going, "Oh shit! Oh my god! I feel so bad for this guy because he's clearly a really talented player." But we're throwing so many things at him. He's just like melting. Right. So we only played with one horn player that night. That other guy got fired on the spot, which is a bummer. Um, but then John ends up playing two songs. One of which. Uh, uh, probably probably played five songs that weren't on the set list. Uh, right. Two of them I had never played before, and one of them I had never heard before. Oh, never fuck. heard the song. <laughs> and Cyrus had only heard it a couple times. And John's like, <laughs> "You guys know?" He, John's like, "You guys know this song?" And because like somebody in the crowd was like, you know, shouting it out or something, he's like, "You guys know this song?" And and Cyrus goes, "I don't know, kinda." And I was like, "What the fuck?" And dude, before I could even think, <laughs> he had already one, two, three, four, bang. And he starts going and Mike's looking at me like, I don't, I don't know what key this is in. He's not playing a <laughs> record version. So like all of us are looking at each other. We played a song that night. You guys witnessed us play a song. The two of us, one of us had never heard before. <laughs> one of us had heard once and Mike was wow. knew it was in a different key. Uh, and we did it. We, we, at the end of it, I was like, holy shit. We played, we played a song I've never heard before. Uh, 
nice. But it was, done, it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. that was a uh, that was a memorable show. I'll never forget that and all the red walls and everything. Yeah, it's a grimy, grimy old historic club. Yeah, that's for sure. Has um, obviously, like <laughs> you know, Joe. Obviously, we hear lots of stories about John and kind of how he is now. And you've obviously got kind of you've worked with him what almost twenty years ago, I guess. Really, you're getting on for that fifteen, yeah. twenty years. Is he? Is he? change much kind of through the years or is he always just being john that you know you know today and we know today that's a that's a really good question that's a really good question in in the fundamental characteristics that make up john felbin he has not changed at all um although he's slowed himself down a little bit and uh and and has changed um i think his reactions like he's a really really dug in guy when it comes to certain beliefs and all that. So um, if you hit him with something, he's got a reaction for it really, really, really quickly. And I think he's slowed down with his like in- initial go get him like super, super aggro um, yeah. reactions. But at the same time, man, like he's the same guy. He's the same guy uh, that wants to provide for his family and wants to constantly be working. Like he's just a workhorse, dude. He's a, he's a go, go, go sort of guy, whether it comes to producing the next band find the next superstar or finding the next cup of coffee. Um, he's just go, 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 dude. And, and I will say he knows, he knows his strengths and his weaknesses and he plays to his strengths and he keeps his weaknesses away. Um, and he's, he's an inspiring dude. Uh, I've got his back in, in, in everything that he does. Uh, he's been a good friend to me and, uh, and, and a good bandmate uh, for, like you said, almost almost twenty years now, you know, and but his his personality is is what you see. It's mm-hmm. very very intense, and if you don't know how to handle that, don't try. <laughs> yeah. So how how did the gig come around then with you with you and John, like your Goldfinger gig, basically? Was it just he just thought you were a good fit and asked you to come play? Or? No, dude. It's it's another as Feldman as it gets story, and and dude, and when I say intense, like. He's so intense on one on on one side of the coin, and then so sweet on the other side of the coin, and <laughs> it mixes to be this very interesting um, way to handle things, like adding a band member, right? So it's like 2012. I don't know what year it was, but uh, I'm at a wedding in Austin, Texas, and, and yeah. he says he gives me a call and says, "Hey, man," I go, "Hey, John, what's going on?" And he says, uh, "Can you be in Denver tomorrow?" And I was like, uh, I don't know for what. What do I? What's in Denver? He goes, Oh, we're playing a show, and I and I need, I need you to play guitar. And I was like, What the fuck? I don't even have a guitar. I'm in I'm in Texas right now. And he goes, It'll be fine. Just just get there. I'll send you the set list. You know the songs. And I was like, I mean, I know the songs as like a listener. You know, right. as a fan. Yeah. I'm a Goldfinger yeah. fan. Yeah. But I, like, I don't know the songs. I don't play those songs. And he's like, You're one of the only guys I know who can, can learn a headliner set and i was like oh my gosh it's a headliner set so headliner set for goldfinger he'll, he'll mm-hmm. try to squeeze 25 songs in you yeah. know what i mean like he'll just keep going wow so i was like oh okay um yeah i don't know man i, I mean i can try to make it but I, I i don't know if i'm gonna be your best bet and he goes i promise you're my best bet just just be there it's figured out that was it so i go and i and i and i show up and it was not my best show uh but I did it. Like I, I, I did fine. You know, I did as much as I could. I started adding some pedals here and there to really sort of beef up this part or do this here or do it a little bit differently. Cause mm. he said, play, you know, play them all, but do your style. Don't worry about, don't worry about trying to sound like Charlie. Don't worry about trying to sound like Brian or any, you know, like just, just do you. I want you to play you. 
which helps, but also puts on an a, an an interesting type of pressure. Because um, then if you fuck it up, you're like, oh shit, I fucked it it's up. It's almost you know like I mean? you're being auditioned, right? In a, in a way, isn't it? And like, to, well, see, I didn't see it like that. I, yeah, I can see that being something that I probably should have thought of, um, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't. I was just like, I'm just here to do my friend as good a favor as I can do. And yeah. um, it was a really fun show in, in Denver, and I flew home, and that was it, man. And then, like, four months later, he calls and is like, holy shit, um, can you be in whatever city it was? Uh, in two days to play for Goldfinger. I was like, oh, sure, yeah, man. I, I, thank you. Uh, two days heads up is like a world of difference than last time. So I got, I like, I really got my chops down, right? I was like, Pshew. no, I'll tell you what it was. It was five days. It was five days. And I spent four or five days killing this guitar, bro. Like I was, I, I killed it. Like I am ready, bro. I got the, I got the solos. I, I'm going to add this here. It's going to be so killer. And the day before I get a message from the management and, and the manager says, how many basses are you bringing? And I said, uh, well, I'm bringing one guitar, you know, like, what do you mean? Oh, this was in Panama, by the way, we were all the way to the country of Panama. Oh, right. And, okay. uh, and she goes, um, no, no, no. How many basses? And I was like, I'm not, what? I'm, I'm taking a guitar. And she goes, oh shit. Did we not tell you you're playing bass? Oh, fuck. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, guys, You now I have a half a day. And if you know Goldfinger bass, it's yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. gnarls. It's yeah. gnarls, dude. It's not the guitar lines. It's like straight out of the police. That's one of the reasons John and I get yeah. on so well is because it's like it's police-inspired stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's really good. It's really skillful stuff. So now I'm like, holy shit. I got to play like Kelly. Kelly Lemieux is like one of the greatest bass players on the planet on the planet and um that that dude that dude just kills so i'm like oh shit so i have a half day now i gotta learn all the bass lines i had i didn't have a bass at the time because my one bass was being borrowed by somebody that was on tour so i didn't even have a bass so i called ernie ball and was like yo can you get an er uh, can you get a, a sterling or a stingray or something to panama tomorrow <laughs> they shipped me a bass they shipped me a bass i practiced uh bass lines on my guitar they shipped me a bass to the country of Panama, and I played with uh, John, Darren, and Charlie. And that was before I really knew Charlie. And Charlie's like, who the fuck is this guy <laughs> trying to hack the bass over here? <laughs> so I wow. bassed, and it ended, up, it ended up being okay. It was such a fun show. It was such a good time. Darren and I had wild adventures uh, <laughs> down in the, in, in the country of Panama. It was, it was so cool. It was so crazy. So then... <clears throat> Another month, a couple months goes by, and he calls and was like, "Hey, man, um, I think Mike is gonna play bass for this, uh, but you should play guitar." So I was like, "Okay, cool. I, I know the guitar stuff still," and I just started randomly playing some shows here and there. But we weren't really playing that many shows. We were just playing a couple shows a year, maybe yeah. a couple weekends a year. It wasn't like a full schedule. We weren't talking about records or or songs or any of that kind of stuff. And then um, we had a we had a gig out in L.A. and we were recording some stuff. Um, separately at John's house and a photographer shows up and he's like, Hey man, uh, the photographer's showing up for band pictures, uh, at this point. So we're going to have to stop, you know, tracking. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And I, and I thought it was like band photos, you know, like whatever. And I'm in the studio and he comes in and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here. I was like, Oh, I, I, you know, I thought it was band, band photos. And he's like, you're in the band. So that's how I found out I was in a band. <laughs> 
I was like, oh shit, okay. So if you see like those first uh, those first Goldfinger photos of me from like 2012, 2013, or whatever, you know, whatever year it is, uh, yeah. I'm like shocked. I'm shocked that I'm in the photos. I'm like, oh shit, this is cool. I'm in Goldfinger, yo. Like dream come true. Like a, a dream that yeah. I didn't even realize was a dream because I didn't think it was possible. I'm in this band. I thought it was cool enough that I was filling in here and there. Yeah. Nice. I mean, have have you rehearsed Goldfinger songs on drums just in case? Um, oh my Sean gosh! Sean throws out on at you at any time soon. That, that is a genius thought that I did not have. I should have thought about that. I, I I couldn't do it. That's the one thing I couldn't hack myself through. I can I can I can rock a beat here and there, but I could never play a Goldfinger set. That shit is hard. Uh, so hence, hard. hence why some big names have come. They've, you've got the. Um... That Nick guy is he—he's permanent now, right? The guy from Girlfriends is he permanently in the band at this point? Yeah, Nick, I think Nick is our drummer. Nick is our drummer is as yeah. long as he can make it. Now Nick okay. is a busy ass dude. He's running a label. He's got multiple uh, yeah. multiple acts going on. He's got a family. Um, so that's the nice thing is we we have so many friends in in the rotation that are so skilled at musicians at yeah. at, at, uh, at their instruments, whether it's. Uh, drumming or bass, like if Mike can't make a gig, like we we have we have guys to fill in. If I can't make a tour or make a, you know make a gig, there are people that fill in. Chris from uh, Living In filled in for me uh, right. when I couldn't make the Australia tour. Yeah, yeah, uh, I remember that. And, and did a great job. And we got a guy um, that that has helped engineer, uh, has helped with guitar, has helped with everything, uh, um, and he, he you know he he can fill in with with, with anything. So we have such a good. We just have such a good circle uh, around us that uh, we can pull it off. You know what I mean? So it's a good it's a good place to be. And dude, you're right with some of the skilled drummers that we've had. Holy cow, have I played with some amazing musicians? I'm so fortunate to, to be able to have played. Like I don't know if you guys know Eric and Proda, but you gotta follow that dude. You gotta follow Eric and Proda and watch. Eric with an A, by the way. Just watch some of the stuff he does on his own. He's also in Fever Three Three Three. Oh, okay. he's also in a he's in an instrumental band called Night Versus. That's fucking bomb, dude. Like, I, I mean, he's one of the most skilled musicians I'll ever know, much less get to play with. Oh wow! Okay. So is, is is he is he like the standout? Even even having played with the likes of Travis Barker and stuff. Um, obviously Travis Barker's a hell of a standout and like, that <laughs> yeah, was yeah. such a, such a cool thing to be able to play with him. Um, but, but I say, uh, I'll say overall, Eric has been the biggest standout for me because we, we got, we got to play a lot more with Eric. Travis, I've only played with, you know, a dozen times or, or, or less. Yeah, Eric's been yeah. on a few tours with us. So I've gotten to know him better. And just sure. as a human being, he's one of my favorite people. He's one of my favorite friends. Um, uh, he's, my children love him. Um, but he's such a standout because, like I said, the band really changes night to night. Our, our groove will change because John will decide to throw in a song here or a fan will will, will throw out a song, uh, a song idea that we've never played before or haven't played in a while. And that will that will change the whole dynamic of the set, which is really, really cool for fans because if they're going to follow us and, and see a couple different shows, they're, they're, they're going to see us do some of the same stuff, but they're going to see different shows e each night because something happens different every night. The energy is different. Yeah. And Eric, a as a drummer, is not only maybe, maybe the best drummer I've, I've ever seen, um, but he can really hang with the changes and throw his own tones in there and throw his own color on on the feel of the energy. And he he can he can single handedly change the energy. Travis is similar. You know, Travis is energy. So when you're watching Travis Barker, it is energy. Um, 
Whereas Eric, Eric can really like fit in here if he needs to fit in here or, or just groove over here if he needs to groove or show off like nobody's ever shown off before over here. So it's really fun playing with somebody that's that versatile and that skilled and that easy to work with. Yeah. Um, Eric was just, uh, I mean, just a, a godsend, dude. He's, he's a dream. He's a dream to work with. So anybody that's in a band with him, I guarantee you can understand what I'm saying. He makes you better. You know, like Travis, Travis could probably make me better as well. But when I'm playing with Travis Barker, I find myself watching him and forgetting what the fuck I'm playing. You know what I mean? Like I'm watching, I'm like, holy shit, I'm watching Travis Barker from four feet away. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, telling him to change here. So I'm kind of like caught in the moment with that. Yeah. And, and Eric, you're just like, wow, dude, he's making me better up here. He's making me better. Um, I guess going back a little bit then. So, I mean, I guess you had a good period where... You you were running you're kind of running with three three projects with story and Greek fire and Goldfinger. I know you say Goldfinger was like wasn't as much back in the days, more maybe more recently. Kind of how do how were you balancing that? And I guess kind of tell us a little about about kind of how that how that journey with story kind of came to came to an end. Yeah, there was a number of years there where I can't even believe my schedule was how it was and a lot of people would ask me while it was happening how do you how are you doing this you know because i have a lot of kids and uh and a radio career here that i'm up at 3 30 every morning for yeah how many Um, kids do you have if you don't mind me asking um i've never answered that question just because it's a joke um on on our radio show with how many kids i have so we change the number every time so it's like 57 or 13 oh i see okay uh, (laughs) no but i we are we are raising six children um two of them are grown and out of the house uh, oh, right, okay. So there's, there's there's still four in the house, um, but yeah, it's you know it's a lot of kids, family, uh, yeah. radio show, and three bands at the time. Four <laughs> bands, four bands actually. Hell, I was on mate. a '90s tribute band that would play like radio show events and, and parties and stuff. Oh, the the band you um, was that the '90s tribute that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, yeah, called the Teenage yeah. Dirtbags, and it's yes, it's yes, so yes, much yes fun. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I was juggling four bands and a family and a radio show, um, and it it was crazy. And, and the weird thing was, I was. I, I sing and play a little guitar, but I'm frontman in Greek Fire. Yeah. Frontman in the Teenage Dirtbags, and it's all guitar and singing. I was playing bass and story for a number of years there and okay. playing guitar in, in Goldfinger. Um, so it, it was a lot to juggle, but at the same time, I, I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a crammer. Um, I'm a procrastinator and a, and, a, and a crammer, which I have been my entire life very naturally. So I'm very practiced at... Uh, learning things very, very, very well, very quickly and retaining them. Now, the problem with that is I can retain them for a tour and obviously I get better uh, the more shows we play and all that. But then afterwards, it like drops out of my brain. So yeah. I'd play I'd play a Goldfinger weekend and be honed in on Goldfinger because I'd rehearse for a few days by myself uh, before that. And then when I get home, it's just like a switch. You just turn that switch off and then I would turn the other switch on and I'd grab a bass and make sure I, my chops are good and that my mind is there. And a lot of it really is, and I hope I hope uh, musicians take this uh, that that can run with this and and, and maybe naturally work like this. Um, learning your instrument and learning uh, whether it's you know perfect pitch or or, or whatever it is you have to learn uh, to get good at maybe not knowing the song. Like yeah. I, if you told me a song right now and gave me an instrument, I would not be able to play it right now for you. But if you put me on a stage. And you start the song off. I hear the note that it starts on, and then I know where I'm going. 
I know mm-hmm. where I'm going. I know where I'm going to need to go. And then I, so my brain is basically working one or two parts ahead of me and I'll go, okay, here's the bridge here. It's got, it's got a tag. I'm sure the tag is a full step down and then, and then changes up here. So knowing the styling of each band really, and having that set at concrete in my mind is what it would allow me show to show to, uh, to be consistently good, to, to, to be consistently on and not yeah. ever let down my band. I never, my goal was always to, uh, or, or to never be the weakest link on stage. And, and, and as long as I'm not the weakest link on stage, I'm going to get better and better and better. And hopefully I'm going to help whoever the weakest link is on stage, get better with me or, or with us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, it wasn't about rehearsing the living shit out of my fingers and knowing every single song front to back. It's going, okay, I know the arrangement of this song and I'm a good enough musician where I could piece my, I could, I could put myself through it on stage and you'd never know that I didn't rehearse that song. You you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's that's where you want to be as a musician. Um, if you have to juggle a, a, a lot of stuff, uh, now singing, obviously very different you can't just remember the lyrics as you go because if you find yourself in a hole you are fucked and then the whole crowd's looking at you like what a dick you forgot your own song you know it's a little different that way yeah <laughs> definitely so yeah i mean kind of uh, tell us a little about about the story story kind of the relationship coming to an end and i guess is oh, yeah I, yeah where's your kind of and what's your relationship with those guys now just to still keep in touch or uh absolutely not no um okay. yeah it's very sad it's very 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 sad uh yeah well where do i start um it was a great 15 years where i thought we all had each other's backs and loyalty meant a lot and yeah um you know i was offered a lot of other gigs a lot that would have put me in a a much 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 better position professionally and monetarily and even for my family and i chose against those because you know loyalty was important to me and i wanted to show loyalty to my band members and uh and a pact you know but um you know people people look at that differently and that's okay (laughs) and uh due to whatever personal differences i uh and i've said this before uh we played two back-to-back sold out shows and the next morning management called me to tell me that i was fired (laughs) oh it was uh, they did it via management as well that's that's right that is right so that that is that's the real sting on top of the sadness is it's like dude like you know all the sacrifices i've sacrificed my family i sacrificed the relationships with my children and and you know as as all of us do uh in this business but i did it for far longer because i was a father the entire time right um so it's really sad to know that like man I, i i sacrificed the most important things to me for this group, uh, you know, and for individuals and and for us as a, as a group and as a business and, and as friends. So that, that, that aspect of it was, um, was sadness on top of sadness. It was, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have had to end at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they, they decided it, it did. And, you know, what what am I what am I to do? Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bad mouth. Um, so yeah, you find yourself going. You know that was not the wisest decision in my opinion. But you know, then again, that's just my opinion. Um, and uh, it it hurts. 
it hurts. And and honestly, beyond again, so you know, they they're not going to talk bad and I'm not going to talk bad and any of that, but the biggest sadness with all this is, you know, I'm cut loose and I'm cut out and I don't get to explain anything and nor will I try to explain sure. anything to fans. But the real sadness for me uh, beyond all the, the the personal hurt and the personal pain that came with the seemingly soulless aspect to, to some of it um, was the severance between me and the fans. Cause I worked, I worked really hard and, and it was, it was all good for me, but I worked really hard to, to have a great relationship with fans and yeah. with the diehards and with the people that I saw and the faces and the names. And I, and I keep up with a lot of these people yeah. and, and the severance there, you know, when, when somebody sees something go down and when they see a divorce like that go down and they don't have either side like telling a story or bickering about it or, or whatever, people tend to just make it easy on themselves and go with the group, uh, right. which is fine. To totally understandable. Uh, you know, I'm sure I've done that with some of my favorite bands that, that uh, had issues with members. Um, but that cost me, that cost me a lot in the, in my relationship with, with people that I, I really owe a lot to, and I'm so thankful for, and, and I would like in my life to whatever degree. And they were just kind of cut out and went with the group or, or whatever. And, and again, that's no one's fault. That's, that's very natural. And I think it was, was bound to happen. It's just like an added uh, bummer to me because our band was our band because we had ridiculously amazing fans that, that pushed yeah. us into radio stations and got their colleges to play our songs and like came to our shows in multiple cities and, and, and would follow us to, to different countries even, you know, like my buddy Pierre in Canada, like, you know, I I miss that guy. I haven't spoken to him since the, the since the severance, and and it's just it uh, it really bums me out, guys. It bums me out. That makes sense. Yeah, fifteen such, years as well. Is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's such a long crazy time. Crazy when you say it like that. You know, that's yeah. It's dude, a long I mean, stint. think about that. Fifteen years is long in any period, but especially if it's all of your twenties and half yeah. of your thirties. Like yeah, your twenties, when you spend your twenties with with four men more than your four buddies more than you see them more than your kids you see them more than your family i mean they're your yeah. work marriage it's so it's a marriage a band yeah. is a marriage yeah. like that yeah and i spent more time and more minutes with those guys than anybody and uh yeah to, to have it done like that is uh is not choice yeah no but, i can see know, how that's rough i mean moving on yeah, but and but like the plus being, I suppose, like you know, here we're talking about during that period, you're in four bands, you're doing the radio thing, so it's like story of the year suddenly taken away, but but you still got loads going on. You're still in fucking Goldfinger, you know. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like you've yeah. been from be, being in a successful band to nothing. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm still yeah, in yeah, these yeah. other successful bands. So yeah, it's it is it is super cool, but you know, the the one that you built from the ground up that had the most success. And like you said, I mean, like all of our friend groups were based on uh, my entire 20 and a half of my 30s were, were spent with these guys. So all of our friend groups were intertwined and I lost a lot of that. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, and it's uh, it is what it is. And that's OK. Tragedy happens. I guess I'm um, looking forward then. Um, like, like you say, I mean, the radio show keeps you busy. You got your, your family. Um, I guess once once we come out, the pandemic plans are to get Goldfinger back on the road and. Greek, I mean, Greek Fire going to be doing much in terms of shows and stuff when you get the chance more. 
Yeah, Baltimore. we just announced a, a, a festival. There's a local festival here that our station puts yeah. on called Point Fest. It's huge, hugely successful. People come from uh, from all over. Usually sells out about twenty two thousand. And uh, nice. Greek Fire is uh, is opening the main stage there uh, in September. So we have that booked. I have a few other things that are on the list. They're they're booked but not announced. Um, just you know, kind of waiting. For for promoters, I'm not sure they don't want to release it if it's only thirty percent capacity, and then they find out, oh, it can be seventy percent of capacity or or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, so there's there's some things in the works, and and like I said, Goldfinger has has a lot in the works too. Uh, just hoping that uh, that it all works out by the time those dates those dates come around. We put a record out uh, just a number of months ago uh, that we worked on in 2020. Uh, we did all those um, those quarantine videos. It was yeah, so yeah, much yeah. fun. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, like Very we, cool. We, we were doing those like really early, and then people started doing theirs and like up in the game. So we upped the game a little bit. Like that was so <laughs> so fun, um, so fun. But I mean, that's how you do records now is like in your own studios. And yeah, it's it's a wild it's a wild world, dude. What, what a different what a different place. I, I feel like I've lived a hundred years in the music business in just twenty years. You know, like I said, when we first started, we were selling CDs, CDs, guys. Yeah. Like that, that was the, the metric you were looking at is how many units of, you know, how many CDs to Best Buy today. Um, So it's, it's a, it's a different place. It's a different place. And uh, what else, what else have you been doing to kind of keep yourself occupied during the pandemic? Anything you, Chris, Chris, did you say you were fishing this morning, Moon? Is that, that's. Uh, yeah, I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go fishing this morning, uh, but we had a super late night because that that baseball oh, home the, run, the home run thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I need my sleep, and we didn't get home till like midnight or something. Um, which you know, forty year old guys like midnight. Oh <laughs> shit, man, so late. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I'll I'll be fully honest about twenty twenty and the pandemic and all that, and and I'm not um, trying to sound like number one dad here or anything, but the pandemic forced me to not have a schedule anymore and just mm-hmm. be home. And I lost like 90% of my revenue immediately, you know, like in a day, everything that I do that makes me money was gone. But I got to say, I had a really, really happy year. I had such a good year. Um, and I'm not saying that I would have, wouldn't have spent time with my family or any that kind of stuff if I wasn't forced to, but being forced to be in the home and have every single minute be with the kids and the family I love my house and I love my family. And this is my favorite time as far as age goes. My, you know, I, I raised two daughters. They're, they're older. So I know yeah. all the mistakes I made and I know what my favorite age group was. And it's seven to 12. And the four kids that are in this house are between seven and 12 right now. It's, oh, my, absolute, yeah. it's my absolute favorite age, dude. And, and we got lucky. We have a house with, with a, a little pool out here. Oh. So we spent the entire year just like getting closer to our children and, um, and, you know, we would take trips, like not real vacations, but like trips to like, uh, a family members lake house here. And, and, um, it dude, we, I'm just so lucky. I'm so, I'm so blessed. My kids are, my kids are healthy. And, uh, we, we had a little bit of COVID three of them got COVID, uh, over Christmas. So like, you know, some holidays and things were ruined and we were worried yeah. about certain things. Um, but I haven't had any family members uh, pass from COVID. I know a lot of people that have, and, and mm-hmm. that has been unbearable for them. So I got to say, we have been so blessed and so lucky and so fortunate that 2020 and the, and the whole thing was a net positive for me, even though we, we lost tons of money and it was really stressful. Um, 
as far as that goes, I, I don't think I've had a happier year in my entire life because of the quality time that I was able to build with my children. And we're noticing it now, you know, our, our kids yeah, are back right. in school and our kids are, are, are doing stuff, but we're noticing like how close our kids are to us. That's awesome. And, and uh, and yeah, man, I, I don't mean to sound cheesy and old, but being a parent of o- older kids and knowing how fast it really does go. Yeah. Um, we, we were just really, really fortunate to be able to take advantage of the time uh, with the kids these, these this last year and a half so the, it's been like i said a net positive a net positive yeah i mean we've spoken to a lot of kind of people on the podcast over this last year and i think we've been fortunate to you know to be able to speak to the likes of you and you know some other real um you know great great guests and it's been really difficult for some you know especially you know, in the music industry not being out on tour and not doing what they do but you know it's really nice to hear you know like your your story in terms of like you know, like you say, it's a real positive and you've just looking at the positive you know, side. Yeah, like yeah. Cause yeah, really like it, in your line of work, you'd never would have had a year like that, would you? So it's, it's good to, that, that you, you can appreciate that side of it. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it was, there was a ton of negative and, 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 and but I'm, I've always been the guy that like, Hey man, dude, I'm, I am not, I'm not fighting for my food. I'm not at war right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm not on a battlefield. Um, I, I am not uh, hunting for my food to try to feed my children. So yeah. like, and there's a roof over my head. I, I mean, I'm a really, really happy person because I will find the 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 positive in it because it's so easy to find the positive. I know that sounds like a snarky thing to say to somebody that's going through something gnarly, but like I've been through some major depression and and some other stuff, but dude, when you really just bear down to the practicalities of life and and what's necessary and what's happening, you got to realize, man, you're not hunting for food and you're not fighting for your life right now. So like things are looking up and you will, and you can find a positive if you just look for it. So I, uh, I went down to my basement a whole bunch when I had free time and I got better at pro tools because I wasn't great at pro tools Mm because it was always an engineer that was a thousand times better. So why would I, why why would I get in the way? But that gave me an opportunity to get much better. And I started tracking my own stuff and I released a, an Alanis Morissette cover that I tracked here and I produced a song for my cousin and I started producing and, um, you know, I had to sell a lot of my gear to try to make ends meet, you know, and do things to, to, to try to survive. But again, like that's still like, what a lucky position, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 I'm, definitely. I'm a lucky, I'm a lucky dude. So I just found the best in it. And I, and I hope, I hope a lot of people did. Cause I know, I know it took a lot of, you know, toll on, on, on people's, um, mental health and, yeah. and all of that. But, but, uh, you have you have much more power than you think you do much much more power and it all starts in your mind it's it's just a, it's just a mind game and you're the you're the player absolutely yeah. man um nice. hey look uh, looking at the time i think we've been going like well over an hour man and i know you're tired from last night and stuff so well, you know, we don't want to take much more of your time and like sorry nick go on i'm just gonna say it feels like a quite a nice poignant positive note to wrap up on as well i think yeah definitely man thank you guys man i really appreciate you having me i'm so sorry i was late no no it's all good man we we appreciate you coming on it's always it's awesome